Buffalo season just got a whole lot more interesting with Josh Allen's elbow injury. Odell Beckham Jr. to the Cowboys? We'll see. Uh, I'm Safid Dean, joined by Tyler Dragon. We are NFL insiders with USA Today Sports. Welcome to another edition of It's a Football Podcast. Uh, let's get into the most crazy story of the NFL week. Jeff Saturday becoming the interim coach of the Indianapolis Colts. Joining us today on It's a Football Podcast is Greg Doyle, the star columnist over at the Indianapolis Star. Greg, you're one of the best in the country, man, and we love having you here to talk about the Colts and Jeff Saturday as interim coach for the rest of the season. I can only imagine your first reactions when you heard Jim Hersey hire his former player to be the interim coach for the rest of the season. What, what were your initial thoughts on that, man? Well, my first thought was, how cool is that? I thought it was kind of cool. It's outside the box. I think we're one place where, and I'm saying those are my first thoughts. I've got more, but where people get lost in this is they say, he's not going to be any good and, and, and you know, no experience. And yet, look, the Colts suck. They're not going to be any good. I mean, you could, you could exhume Vince Lombardi at his prime, and they're not mm-hmm. winning more than five games this year. They suck. So the people get lost in that. So my yeah. first thoughts, well, that's outside the box. That's cool. Um, but every thought I've had since then, every thought is this is absolutely insane. And uh, I'll be writing a few more times about the insanity of this before his debut on Sunday. The only thing, one more thing I want to say real quick, because I don't think you'll set me up to say this, so I'm going to say it now, is I'm not a homer. Uh, I mean, I like it when my city does well. You know, it's happy readers are readers. Unhappy readers don't read. So you want the Colts to do well or my business suffers. However, on Sunday, you can call me whatever you want to call me, but I want the Colts to beat beat the pants off the Las Vegas Raiders because that idiot Josh McDaniels is still there. And I would love for the Colts to be the reason he gets canned. (laughs) So Colts, so Colts writers, Colts fans are still holding it against Josh McDaniels for turning down the job so many years ago. huh? No, uh, no, actually we're all thrilled. He turned down the job. I mean, he's an idiot. No, 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 he did. He did the Colts a favor. No. um, I just think he's an idiot. Uh, He's an idiot. He was there for deflate gate. He has ridden on Bill Belichick's coattails. The guy, the guy yeah. was born on third base and thinks he hit a triple and has never figured out that he doesn't have all. He, not only does he not have all the answers, he doesn't have any of the answers. <laughs> um, so it's just a matter of time before he gets fired a second time. Somebody else will hire him. He'll get a third shot, and he'll, then he'll strike out. This is why we love Greg Doyle. He's raw. He's real. He's unfiltered. He has no shame in speaking his mind. Greg, I want to get back to Jeff Saturday here because, you know, it's outside the box, yes, and everybody is kind of, you know, shot into the heavens. He has no NFL experience. He has no NFL experience. For me, I think this is a genius move by Jim Irsay. Um, maybe I'm in the minority here, but like you said, the Colts are bad. They're 3-5. and five. They've lost three in a row. They barely scored 30 points in the last three games combined. Jonathan Taylor is your franchise player. He's got an ankle injury. Uh, maybe you don't want to get have your best player play for the rest of the season if you kind of get where I'm going here. Sam Ellinger isn't that good. We all know the Colts need a franchise quarterback. They had the number one pick when Peyton Manning got drafted. They had the number one pick when Andrew Luck got drafted. I think the Colts really hired the right guy. You hire a guy who has no idea what he's doing if you want to get up in the top three of the draft. What do you think about that? This does have the definite whiff uh, or stench even of tanking. It, It does. Starting with Saturday, having no experience. The guy they have calling plays will be Parks Frazier, um, who was 
three months ago or three years ago was getting coffee for me. You know, he'll be calling plays. Uh, Sam Ellinger's the quarterback, and, and he might be okay. We don't know yet because the offensive line's really, really bad. But he didn't look good last week. However, I do want to push back on one thing. There's a, the, what a lot of folks are saying, and there's a, there's a Rooney Rule implication here, sort of. I mean, it's a, that Saturday will definitely have the inside track to the full-time job uh, if he does anything at all with this tryout. So the Rooney Rule will be skirted next year if Saturday gets hired. There's just no way around that. But in the present tense, people are saying they had they had people on staff that could have promoted, to which I would say, yeah, but they all suck. Um, <laughs> Milanovic was the interim coach in Jacksonville, and I think they went 0-5. John, Fre- John Fox has been fired from every job he's ever had. I mean, he's terrible. He's certifiably not good. And then Gus Bradley, are you kidding me? Like, you look at Jeff Saturday against those three. And can you really say, man, Jeff Saturday's the worst of this bunch? No, the other three have proven they're bad. Saturday, we don't know yet. So, Greg, I do want to ask you this. Have you got a sense of some of the players' uh, reaction uh, from the hire? No, because um, the locker room hasn't been open yet. I am talking. I apologize for the audio quality if it's not great, but I'm in the car driving to the Colts complex. Mm -hmm. This, This is early Wednesday afternoon. They're opening locker room in about a half hour, 45 minutes after Jeff Saturday makes his first solo press conference appearance as the head coach of the Colts. So I'll find out later. I have no idea. I've not seen anything on social media, you know, nothing. Uh, But everybody else seems to think this is kind of crazy. And what's really telling to me, very telling to me, is that not only did Tony Dungy say this is crazy, and Tony Dungy and Jim Irsay are tight. Uh Dungy says this is crazy. But you look at all of Jeff Saturday's ESPN colleagues, and they all say the exact same thing, and they say it in two parts. One, we love Jeff Saturday and hope he does well. Two, this is crazy. <laughs> so from, that, from this hire, do you think it's safe to say that the Colts have probably punted away this season? Uh, it's safe to say the Colts punted away this season when the – first game kicked off they're just not any good and we didn't know that you know we, we didn't know that at the time because we didn't know the offensive line had driven to the edge of the cliff and then swan dived off we didn't know that matt ryan turned 80 overnight i mean he was matt ryan has a track record that says he's pretty good and a track record that says he hasn't dropped off any until this year and then he falls off a cliff he followed the offensive line right over that cliff so this team i i, I push back on on any i the notion that they've, you know, they're they're going to bottom out. They've already bottomed out. They're terrible. The the first game of the year, maybe the second, they tied the Texans twenty to twenty, something like that. That was the worst tie of all time. You know, there are good ties and bad ties. That was that was like a blowout loss of a tie. You can't tie the Texans in that game. But that's what that was our first indication. This season's not going to be like we thought it was. So yeah, they they might not win again uh, this year. They might not, but. I hope they win Sunday because Josh McDaniels is a little twerp. <laughs> so you've made, you've made it clear that you do not like Josh McDaniels at all. I, I do want to uh, ask you this, though. I know Jeff Saturday said that Sam Ellinger is going to c- continue as starter, but do you think uh, Matt Ryan should start anymore for the rest of the season? I'd, you've heard of Einstein's insanity, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Every time... Einstein's insanity definition is this. Insanity is putting Matt Ryan at quarterback just so we can fumble the ball five more times. We, we've already seen 
we know what happens when he plays, and, and we don't know why. There's no way to know why is he why was he 37 years old last year, and he's 78 years old this year. There, yeah. I don't know. He hadn't been hurt, nothing. But he's not it, when he's not fumbling, he's throwing interceptions. And when he's not doing either of those, he's hearing footsteps so loudly in part because the offensive line stinks that he's dirting the ball. Like he, I can't tell you how many times he's thrown the ball into the dirt this year with guys not within three steps of him. And I, on the one hand, I don't blame him. He keeps getting pummeled. He's hearing the footsteps more and more. But, I mean, he's done. He's done. He's toast. And, you know, Nick Foles might be really bad. I, I suspect he is. I mean, Nick Foles, you know, he, Nick Foles – the only person that's ridden one hot streak more than Nick Foles to a great career is Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco had five or six great games that Super Bowl year and got $100 million out of it. Nick Foles had three or four pretty good games for the Eagles and has gotten six more years in the league as a backup who will never play because he's not any good. So they don't have any good options at quarterback. Uh, if I see Jeff Saturday looking at my left arm, see how limber it is, we'll know how bad this is. Greg, you bring up a lot of points there, and – you know, one thing for me I, I wanted to ask or say is that, you know, I know this, the, you know, bypassing the Rooney rule during the interim hire is something that um, is getting frowned upon here a little bit. Um, I know that Jeff Saturday will probably be a favorite to land this job if he does a good job the final eight games and in instilling some kind of Colts culture here. Um, while the Colts kind of move their way up into the top three of the draft, I think they should not, they should start whoever they need to start to make that happen. But uh, for me, Greg, I kind of give Jim Irsay a pass here for not hiring or, or interviewing a minority candidate because of hiring Tony Dungy, hiring Jim Caldwell. We can still put the onus on all the NFL owners to hire minority coaches, yes, but he's already given two opportunities. Um, and Jeff Saturday is a guy he knows for 22 years, through and through, up and down, is more that he knows in Jeff Saturday than he can glean from a day interviewing a new candidate he's never met before. I guess what are some of your thoughts on that? Yeah, that th- this is a complicated issue, and there are two sides to this, and both things can be true. One thing is there's nothing wrong with Jeff Saturday being in position where he is right now. If we stop the sentence right there, there's nothing wrong with it. They fired a coach uh, with you know with 24 hours to go before the players reported, 48 hours for practice, and six days for their next game. They didn't have time for an interview process, and that's why the Rooney Rule does not apply to inter- interim hires. There's no time for that. You you go get somebody ASAP. There's nothing, and Jeff Saturday. Has, is beloved here. The Colts are in trouble uh, socially, reputationally. This city hates them right now. And bringing in Jeff Saturday is like having your having your coach be a kitten. You can't hate kittens. So in that sense, in that sense, it was brilliant bringing in Saturday. It really was. Now then, there are two sides to this, and the two the second side is this: a, Ursay, and I like Jim, I, but he doesn't know when to not talk. And he said the other day. <laughs> he said the other day that he hopes Saturday is the full-time coach next year. In other words, if yeah. Saturday has any success at all this year, next year's Rooney rule um, adhering to that when they interview some minority candidates will be a sham because Ursay's already decided mm-hmm. Saturday's the guy he wants if, if, it's, if he can justify it. So that's bad. And then part two is the Colts are the team – well, yes, and I'm glad you brought it up. The Colts hired Tony Dungy and, and Caldwell. And actually, Jim Caldwell was first an interim coach, much like Saturday, only with more credibility. Yes. Caldwell was an interim coach when Dungy had some issues several years ago. So Ursay's done the absolute right thing in every possible way before, and the, two of the last four offensive coordinators here 
are black. However, the last one, the second of those four offense coordinators, Marcus Brady, was fired last yeah. week, and we still don't know why. We don't know why. And because the Colts really won't tell us anything, and, I, and by that I mean they've told us nothing, it's safe for me to wonder and assume, and I'm going to write this soon, but you can have it first, did they fire Marcus Brady because they knew if the bottom fell out in New England, which we all knew it was going to happen, they could then fire Reich and bring in Jeff Saturday without it looking bad that Saturday jumped over Marcus Brady? Because that would look bad. Saturday jumping over Gus Bradley. All right, Bradley sucks. Uh, no offense, yeah. Gus, if your mom's listening. Mom, you know, you know, no offense. <laughs> but if you were to jump Jeff Saturday over over Marcus Brady as a, as the existing offense coordinator, that's bad. So, I, I again, I, you know, on the one hand, I don't like to speculate ugly things like that. On the other hand, when people lie to you for 10 years, you just figure out, you know what, I, I'm going to say what I want to say because they're going to lie anyway. Yeah, that's that. Uh, we saw Jim Mercer flex his muscle in the grandest of ways during that press conference. And Greg Doyle, you have done the same here with us on It's a Football Podcast. Greg, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate you taking the time. Good luck covering the Colts the rest of the year. I can't wait to read what you write. Thank you. And I think interim title for this podcast should be It's a Loudmouth. <laughs> <laughs> we'll consider it. We'll consider it. All right, guys, that was Greg Doyle from the Indie Star. If you haven't already, please follow him on Twitter. Check him out at IndieStar.com. Uh, Tyler, we obviously know that Greg hates Josh, McD- uh, Josh McDaniels. Yes. <laughs> but uh, let's follow up a little bit more on the uh, Ursay conversation, the Ursay and the Jeff Saturday conversation that we've been having with Greg. Um, you know, obviously the Rudy rule is something that was not addressed, and it's something that is very, very um you know, pertinent in our time here in the NFL, right? We're all looking for NFL coaches to not only interview minority candidates, but actually give them a real chance. Um, but I know you wanted to combat something I said because, you know, I feel Ursay kind of gets a pass here. I think he's done what we wanted NFL owners to do in the past already. Um, should he consider a minority candidate? Yes. Should they get a real consideration? Yes. Um, but I also, you know, I, I, I can I can give him a pass because of his track record. So I agree with you in a sense. Now, Jim Mersey does have a decent track record of hiring minority coaches. Yes. However, this hire of Jeff Saturday puts gasoline on the fire that it is a good old boys club at the end of the day. And owners hire people not only who look like them, but, you know, who they are friends with. So, you know, nepotism, basically, pretty much. And that is at play here. And no, I have never heard of a black coach or a minority coach who has never had any high-level NFL coaching experience get a job like this on an Mm intern basis. Yeah, And so that is my issue with it. Yeah, I, I've talked to Jeff Saturday before. I've interviewed him. He's a nice man. We see him on TV. He definitely knows football. And he might turn out to be a decent interim head coach, and he might get the job. And I'm not – this is not a knock on Jeff Saturday. It's just how we got it. It just, again, pours fuel on the fire that it is a good old boys club. and. It reeks white privilege. That's what I will say. Because yeah. there is no, I am, Safi, you know this. There, I have never heard of a situation where a black coach or a minority coach 
would get put it be put in this position with that experience level that he has until the day we have a black or minority owner hire a black or minority coach that they know for you know 20 plus years more than somebody right and it's almost like uh, um steve nash with the nets in the nba yes he just got fired but steve nash had zero head coaching experience and got pushed in the door yeah so I, I feel a, a lot of different ways about this, Tyler. You know, in the NBA, we've seen it work. Jason Kidd did really well in his first job with the Bucks before he's now in Dallas right now. Uh, Steve Nash got pushed into the door and did a fairly somewhat decent job. He wasn't the problem with Brooklyn, right? Kyrie was or is, is. still, right? <laughs> um, you know, Steve Kerr was an executive with the Suns before he – you know, took the Warriors to another level that Mark Jackson couldn't, right? So um, I've seen it work in the NBA, and NBA coaches are, you know, there's fewer players. You have assistant coaches that have experience that help you along the way, too. That's what Jeff Saturday is going to be relying on. He's going to be relying on the coaching staff that's already in place in Indianapolis um, to help coach that team. Um, Look, Greg was right, and I have the same feeling, and I'm going to repeat it here again. The Colts are bad. You know, they're three and five. How they got to three wins is is, is beyond me. Um, they tied with the Texans in week one of the season, right? And so, like, literally that was the indication that all the uh, – that was the indication that Greg Doyle needed and all the fans needed to see how the heck they got to this point, right? So they're three, mm-hmm. five, and one this year. They barely scored 30 points in the last three games. Sam Ellinger is essentially, a, a you know, a, a rookie. You know, he's not getting a lot of experience his second year. He should have played last year when they had Carson Wentz, but you go get Carson Wentz because you think you have a playoff team. They didn't make the playoffs with Carson Wentz because he got COVID at the end of the season. They finished 9-8 and eight and were the last team bounced, even though they had a playoff seed going into the final week of the year. Um, you know, you look at the history of this team, Andrew Luck retired abruptly in 2019. Frank Wright lost his job after five years, and after year one, he has to find a new quarterback who thought was, you know, who thought Andrew Luck was going to be around, and he hasn't. Um, you know, there's been a revolving door at quarterback, Jacoby Brissett, Brian Hoyer, um, you know, like I mentioned, Matt Ryan, Carson Wentz. Um, Phillip Rivers was the best one that they had, and he retired after the year. That was during the COVID 2020 year. Um, all these things line up, and the Colts essentially, instead of, you know, just giving an interim coach on the staff the job, whether it was Gus Bradley or, or um, you know, the other two guys that um, that Greg mentioned, uh, including John Fox, you know, and, and signaling to your team and signaling to everybody, hey, we're going down. This is what we're doing. You bring in Jeff Saturday. Jeff Saturday is beloved, beloved in Indianapolis, mm-hmm. right? Um, maybe even just as much as Peyton Manning. Not as much, but, you know, right below. If it's Peyton Manning's one. I would say Jeff Saturday is not even two. I think he might be even one A as beloved in Indianapolis, right? Uh, and certainly below Reggie Miller and Larry Bird for <laughs> sure. Okay, but you bring in Jeff Saturday. This is a sign to the fans. This is something that to the fans where you say, hey, all right, um, we got Jeff Saturday in. He's our fan favorite. You guys can't boo him, right? If you really love Jeff, you can't boo him. But also, you kind of try to hope Saturday pushes some kind of Colts culture that he played with into these players, Colts culture that he played with, into the coaches that are on the staff. And it's it looks nice. It's nice dressing. 
But for me, the Colts are going to be favored to lose the rest of the year. I think Jonathan Taylor should not play the rest of the year. And I think the Colts need to watch closely what the Texans and what the Lions do because they need to draft Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud or the Kentucky quarterback because that's what's going to turn their franchise around. No love for the quarterback with the Tennessee Vols or Hooker, Richardson for Florida. That's your boy, I thought. My Florida boy, yeah. He needs another year in school. Malik Hooker, <laughs> uh, not Malik Hooker, uh, Hendon Hooker from Tennessee mm-hmm. and the Georgia quarterback. They're both 24, 25 years old. I don't know if, you know, anybody's going to go draft those guys. Joe Burrow um, was old? Uh, not that. Yeah, but Joe Burrow win a national title and looks <laughs> as good as he's doing. Not, not this. Um, but, you know, going back to the, to the uh, you know, to the race issue here. I think, um, you know, Jim Mercer said openly, hopefully more. Hopefully more, right? Mm-hmm. He's going to be the coach for eight games and hopefully more. You're already kind of handcuffed Jeff Saturday as a favorite for this coach job. And any interview that happens here will be a sham, yes. Um, but we can still pressure NFL owners to hire minority coaches. And we can still remember Jim Mercer hired Tony Dungy and he hired Jim Caldwell. I don't know how many NFL owners in this league can say they've hired one co- black coach or a minority coach, let alone two. Um, and Jim say you can't – we know he's not racist. Yes, it's Big Boys Club. Yes, you hired your boy Jeff Saturday. But there's something to be said. You know, it's not who you know. It's not what you know. It's who you know always prevails in this league. And for Jim Mersey to say this guy, Jeff Saturday, that I know since 1999 – for, you know, 22 going on, you know, 23 years. He's played for me. He's consulted for me. I wanted to hire him as an assistant, but I'm going to give him the keys to the ship and let all the other coaches and players kind of fall in line behind him because I want him to lead my franchise. I don't know, man. I'm not going to argue Jim Mercer with that. And, you know, I, I get it. And I do think in this situation, two things can be true. And, you know, we both said multiple times in different ways that Jeff Saturday is a good dude. He knows his football. He's definitely beloved in that city. However, the same thing can be said about minority coaches not getting jobs and not giving, getting the opportunity as their white counterparts. And Mm -hmm. that situation is true in this case. Yes. Jim Mercer has a good track record, but I mean, (laughs) <laughs> I've never heard of a situation, and unfortunately, I don't think I ever will, where somebody of my complexion gets a job that has zero experience. That just doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. You have to be above and beyond. <laughs> uh, you have to be very well qualified, even more qualified to get a job if you're a black or minority coach in the in the NFL. All right, let's wrap it up here on the Colts talk. Tyler, we're going to have so much more talk about the Colts, I feel, in the next couple of weeks. It's going to be a sight to see that that Colts-Raiders game on Saturday, on Sunday, excuse me, because Jeff Saturday, before he even knew he was going to get the job, tweeted, quote, Raiders look horrible, end quote. <laughs> like, life comes at you fast, Tyler. And I, I know we, we were texting about this game, but I stop it. This is going to be an, an intriguing <laughs> game to watch because both franchises, they're on this roller coaster that's going nowhere <laughs> right yeah. now. The Raiders look absolutely pitiful 
I mean, horrible, no, like Jeff Saturday said. Right, horrible. How are you, are you going to lose three games this season where you've had at least a 17 point lead? I mean, the Raiders look terrible. They're going nowhere fast. Last in AFC West, and we already talked at nauseum about the Colts. And <laughs> we'll see. It, luckily for Raiders fans and Colts fans, the game is is in Las Vegas, so. You gotta enjoy a nice vacation. Yeah, you're gonna enjoy a, a nice vacation in Las Vegas. <laughs> if your team does horrible, which and it's gonna be a horrible season for both franchises, you have plenty of mm-hmm. activities to do in Vegas and plenty of options to get adult beverages <laughs> <laughs> and plenty get good food. Some yeah, good, good shows, good food, good shows, good shows. You know what I'm saying? You can do a lot in Vegas. You can leave. Uh, you know, sad about the Colts win or sad about the Colts loss. However you feel about it, you can leave happy. You can leave sad. Actually, you know what? We all know everybody. You might, hey, you might even win at the slots. So you might win. Yeah, you might, might win you, at the game. Your parlay might hit. You never know. Um, for me, it's always funny Vegas because the people coming off the plane in Vegas airport are so happy, so excited to be in Vegas, and everybody waiting to board their flight home from Vegas is just like hungover, lost their money, hasn't slept. The oxygen from the hotel isn't in the airport anymore. <laughs> Sounds like, like you've had some ex- personal experiences with this topic. Moving right along, this <laughs> football podcast. <laughs> Tyler, I wanted to get into Odell Beckham Jr., man. How does Odell always kind of find his way to get into the news, right? Um, Odell Beckham Jr. tore his ACL in his knee, uh, I believe it was the second time in the same knee that he had the same injury. Um, this happened during the Super Bowl last uh, earlier this year, um, but for last season, um, in a game where the Rams featured him heavily in their offense um, before losing him at halftime and, and going on to beat the Bengals you know, in the Super Bowl. But Odell's a free agent. He's not with another team. He's recovering from his knee injury. And he's getting to the point where he's kind of itching towards his return. Uh, Tyler, Odell to the Dallas Cowboys is the biggest story, or one of the biggest stories <laughs> would have been if the Colts didn't hire Jeff Saturday. But um, could you see Odell Beckham soon enough for the Cowboys and, and kind of leaving leaving his boys and, and your favorite team, the Rams, behind, Tyler? So I have a bit of news to drop on It's a Football Podcast that I didn't oh. tweet out. I did text somebody close to Odell Beckham. And mm-hmm. I asked him, when is Odell Beckham going to sign with the team? And uh-huh. the response was, quote, unquote, soon. soon. Now, soon. I will say that I am hearing it's either the Cowboys, Giants, Bills, Packers, or even the Rams. They're still in the mix. Wow. That is what I'm hearing. Um, he does definitely want to go to... Uh, warm weather city. However, uh, he does like the fact that the Bills, they're firmly in the mix for a Super Bowl. They're a Super Bowl contender. He and Von Miller talk frequently. Von Miller said that <laughs> a, a lot of times this season, too. So I do expect Odell is going to sign with the team by the end of the month. By the end um, of the month. Okay. I did I did hear soon. That's all I heard. Soon. So we shall see. Now the Cowboys, it is interesting. He'll be maybe what a, a two A, maybe number three receiver uh in Dallas. Um in Dallas? I do mm, okay. however like him 
I, I kind of like him in Dallas. However, I mean, a part of me just wants to see him go to the Green Bay Packers because the Green Bay desperately needs a number one receiver. But I do think Green Bay season is pretty theoretically over now yeah. because the Vikings are just running away with uh, that division. Um, but for Odell's sake, I, I do want to see what he can do as a number one receiver. The teams that are on his list, um, all of them, with the exception of the Packers and the Giants, uh, he would be number two or even a number three receiver. So we shall see. Well, look, Odell's coming off a second ACL tear to the same knee, right? Mm-hmm. He is one of the most dynamic players in NFL history. Um, you know, the catch against the Cowboys on Monday Night Football in New York uh, so many years ago. I believe that was 2014 um, because I remember exactly where I was, Tyler, mm-hmm. when the catch happened. Uh, it's one of those moments in NFL history that you just kind of have no idea what you just saw. Twitter exploded. Um, social media exploded. Odell Beckham's profile as a player exploded into what we've seen today, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to see him as a number one receiving option, yes. But, you know, first couple games coming off the second ACL tear, you know, obviously there's going to be a little bit of rust. There's going to be a layoff. Odell's going to have some kind of apprehensions with his knee there. It's hard to put a lot of pressure on Odell Beckham Jr. in the sense, if he goes to the Packers, if he goes to the Giants, where he's going to have to deliver and deliver fast. You're talking about a player that's, you know, already eight years or so into his career, too. I think we need to really, really, you know, kind of pump the brakes a little bit on the expectations that you're trying to get from Odell Beckham Jr. coming off this injury. Um, if, if he's a number two receiver at any of these teams, I think that's great. You go to Buffalo and, you know, you're playing behind Stephon Diggs. Okay, perfect. You're playing behind Gabe Davis and, and you're, you know, a slot receiver. You, you know you know what I'm saying? You take some snaps away from Isaiah McKenzie or, um, you know, some other uh, players in that in that Buffalo mix. I think that's a good move. Um, I think that's probably the best move because Buffalo's probably in way better position than any of the other teams that you said here outside of the Cowboys. Um, could I see him playing behind CeeDee Lamb? Yes. Do I want him playing on the turf in Dallas? I'm not sure if he wants to do that either. That's something to think about too, uh, coming off a knee injury. Um, but look, you ain't going to get warm weather in Buffalo or Green Bay or New York. Uh, it does get a little cold in Dallas, right? Yeah. Uh, you might enjoy L.A. a little bit more if you're looking for weather. Um, but also the Rams, the, the Rams need a prayer just as much as the Packers do because, uh, you know, they lost to Tampa Bay last week. Like I told you they were going to, Tyler. I told you they were going to lose. And they lost in the final minute of that game. And, um, you know, it remains to be seen what team Odell Beckham chooses, but it's still going to have all the, the intrigue because he is the biggest, probably most talented available free agent at this time of year, Tyler. So let me ask you this question. Where would you like to see him play the, re- the rest of the season once he comes back? Man, it's cold in Buffalo, but the Bills need every chance. They, the Bills need everything they can have on offense. And I think um, – you know, Gabe Davis has not really emerged as the number two receiver. We saw him get four touchdowns in a game against Kansas City. Um, he's done it earlier this season as well, too. But it's it's the Josh Allen show. It's live or die, run or pass with Josh Allen. Um, Devin Singletary has done well. He's improved since last season at the end of last year. Um, but also, the uh, you know, Stephon Diggs, you're riding him hard as well, too. So 
Um, I would love to see Odell be another option in that game for Buffalo. They got the defense. And, um, you know, for me, they're the favorite, depending on Josh Allen's elbow injury. But we'll get back uh, right into our next topic. But, Tyler, what team would you like to see Odell Beckham on? I'm going to follow a trend that I do and pick two. (laughs) I would like to see him. Yeah. We'll like to either see him go back to the Rams or have a reunion in New York, but with the Giants. The Giants Mm. need some help on the outside, too. And if Odell Beckham wants to cash in uh, next year uh, with the big-time contract, I think that's a huge opportunity for him Uh, in New York with Daniel Jones and that team. They definitely need a receiver. And the Rams certainly need somebody outside of Cooper Cup to make some plays. Yeah, that's the thing for me, though. I don't think Odell – I'm not sure if anybody's going to give him a huge receiver contract, a two-year, three-year deal – you know, who knows how much longer Odell really wants to play. He got a Super Bowl. That's like the, the honestly the biggest trump of any conversation you could have about Odell Beckham. He's got a ring and nobody, you know, a lot of other people don't. Um, you know, his motivation to play, I'm, I'm interested to see how much it is or what it is. And in this regard, being the sought after free agent, being the guy that's a addition to a championship team, I think that's a way better light for Odell Beckham to be in than kind of going back into New York and being like, all right, I got to be the star guy again. Because we saw how, you know, he got ran out of town and how that happened for him. So uh, things things change, time, you know, moves on and things like that. But I think Odell Beckham Jr. likes this light that he's in, sought after uh, as a free agent more so than having it all fall on his shoulders. Oh, yeah. Well, we definitely know if he went to Buffalo and even the Cowboys to an extent, the expectations will won't be nearly as high as they would be, say, for the Packers, the Giants, or even the Rams. Tyler, let's get up to Buffalo. Um, Josh Allen's elbow injury is a huge concern, a huge concern for the Buffalo Bills and their Super Bowl aspirations this season. The Bills, to me, look like the Super Bowl favorite. They beat the Chiefs. I don't think the Eagles or the 49ers or the Vikings could even you know, play against them if, if the Bills are running on all cylinders like we've seen them happen. Like we've seen them play, excuse me, earlier this year. Uh, Sean McDermott, the Bills coach today, Wednesday, has said Allen is day-to-day with the UCL, um, which is the ulnar collateral ligament in the elbow. Um, So he's day-to-day. They're going to see if he's able to play in Sunday's game against the Vikings. Um, But other than than that, the Bills have been very, very mum on this situation. Tyler, are you concerned? Do you think there should be more concern in Buffalo with Josh Allen's elbow? I am concerned about their aspirations to be the number one seed in the AFC. I think that definitely took a huge hit. And, you know, they might not finish the regular season with number one seed. However, long term, as far as, you know, multiple games for Josh Allen, I don't think that's going to happen. I expect Josh Allen, if he's not in the field this week, to be in the field the following week. I don't think it's a huge concern with than the rest of, you know, the regular season. But I think it definitely impacts their goal to be the number one overall seed in AFC. The Chiefs are knocking on the door. And Buffalo definitely does not want to go to Kansas City to play in the AFC championship game. We already seen that movie before. And that movie did not end well for the Buffalo Bills. I will say this, though. Um, even with a healthy Josh Allen, I know you said, you know, you don't think they can uh, – the 49ers or the Eagles don't have a chance. 
I have to push back on you on that one. Please do. Please I think, do. I think the 49ers and the Eagles, they have the recipe to win in the playoffs and a Super Bowl because they always dominate in the trenches. I know I've said this in multiple columns this year, but every time I've seen them play, they win the battle in the trenches. And the 49ers, once their defensive line gets healthy, once Armstead gets back, you already got Nick Bosa, uh, Fred Warner at the middle linebacker, who's probably the best middle linebacker in the NFL that doesn't get enough praise. 49ers, they're legit. And then you got Christian McCaffrey, and that's another reason why I do think <laughs> the Rams need to get Odell Beckham to try to keep pace with the 49ers. So I don't know. The NFC, it's, it's loaded. It's going to be a crapshoot in the NFC. But to go back to the AFC and the Buffalo Bills, I think they dodged a bullet with Josh Allen for him being day-to-day and not week-to-week and something of that nature. And I do think, you know, he'll be on the field playing sooner rather than later. You know, this Bills injury is something that's going to be under wraps for a little bit. I don't know if Josh Allen plays on Sunday. I think it's ideal for him to think he plays against the Vikings. But Mm -hmm. if you have that injury and that kind of player and you know what you're trying to do this season, and although you do have the number one seed, Playing Allen while he's hurt and having him make more throws on a ligament that's strained right now, what's more important to you, Tyler? Having the number one seed or having help Allen more healthier at the end of the season where you may not be the one seed? Maybe you're the two seed and you got to go back to Kansas City. What's, which one would you prefer? I'm going to go uh, ahead and pick the two seed and go to Kansas City, eat some barbecue, and hopefully win the next day. <laughs> <laughs> God, the Kansas City barbecue is great. I had it two <laughs> days in a row when I was there. But um, look, I, I think Josh Allen needs to sit out if he's has this injury. Uh, he had his injury before as a rookie. He missed four uh, games during his rookie season, and they had the bye week right after. So he missed five weeks, came back, played the final six games, and it has been an injury that has affected him in his career. Um, it shoot, it might have made him stronger because he's gotten so much better the last couple of years, but. That was 2018. Now it's 2022. Um, I feel so sorry for the Bills in the sense that, like, um, you know, this is the best year. It's the best year for them. I thought last year was the best year for them, too. They lost to the Chiefs two straight playoffs in Kansas City. You beat the Chiefs this season. You get home field advantage already because they're both 6-2 and two heading into Week 10. Um, and, you know, you might have to lose home field advantage. Uh, against the Chiefs, which you don't want to do, but you but you might have to. But if it's any team that's okay to play in, in Kansas City is Buffalo. You've done it before. You can do it again. You beat them there. You beat them uh, during this regular season last year, too. Um, and I think you might have a better – you know, you don't have to face Tyreek Hill anymore, which is a huge positive. Um, you know, I think Buffalo will be okay in the long run. I think Josh Allen needs to rest and not throw and – you know, be as close to 100% as possible because this is your best chance. And if Josh Allen gets hurt again, it opens the door so much more for other teams like the Dolphins, like the Ravens, like the Bengals, um, you know, to kind of knock on the door of the Chiefs. And I think if this, this uh, you know, Josh Allen injury gets worse, if I'm looking at the Chiefs, I'm, I'm looking like, okay, I can I can go dominate again if I'm playing those other teams, right? Yeah, and I think despite the loss uh, the Chiefs had against the Bills, I think the way they played, especially defensively, 
they are going to have a whole lot of confidence if they face the Bills again in the playoffs, especially if it's in Kansas City. Uh, so, yeah, it, it is a blow for the Bills, but I do think, you know, they did dodge a major bullet that is not a, a very, very severe injury to his elbow. Um, but I think down the line, it might end up costing them once it comes to the overall seating and having to go possibly to a place like Kansas City where they have not fared well. All right, Tyler, let's update everybody on the Washington football team and uh, their perspective sale, because now we know this week it's more of a sale and not just a selling of minority um, stakes into this. Uh, it was kind of open-ended last week when we found out Dan Snyder and Tanya Snyder, the owners of the Washington football team, um, got in touch with Bank of America Securities to secure uh, potential buyers for the team. We didn't know if it was the whole team, parts of the team. We don't know if he was trying to bring in an owner to maybe flip for a new stadium. Uh, but it appears everybody's lining up for this, Tyler. People are lining up. First up on the list is you and I. We got about $40 we're trying to put up for the Washington football team. You think we're going to have any success with that? Um, you know, I'm cautiously optimistic. I was a lot more optimistic before uh, the lottery drawings uh, went out yesterday. Yeah. I thought I was going to be uh, a billionaire, a multi-billionaire, because it was up to over $2 billion. So mm, I would have bought the yeah. team with flat out cash then. But unfortunately, I was not a, the winner. <laughs> that Imagine that, bro. You, you come into like $500 million and you're like, you know what? I want to go buy a team. There's one for sale? Wow. <laughs> uh, but let's talk about some people with some real money, Tyler. Uh, it appears Jeff Bezos is, uh, you know, stacking up an ownership group. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Jeff Bezos, Amazon, big, big money. Um, supposedly, Jay-Z, uh, Kevin Durant, and also Matthew McConaughey mm-hmm. want to get in on the Jeff Bezos bid to own the Washington football team. There's also another perspective bidder, and that's Byron Allen, who's a TV mogul owns the Weather Channel, among other networks here. And his net worth is about close to about $800 or so. Um, He tried to buy the Denver Broncos, which sold in the billions, the billions, billions with a B, okay? Um, So we have uh, an NFL team up for sale again, right? We saw the Broncos get sold for $4.6 billion earlier this year by Rob Walton and the Walmart family. Um, Tyler, the Washington football team is going to go for at least five, Bill, um, probably even six. Um, but what can we say more so than, than the sale of the team? It looks like Dan Snyder might be out, man. Yeah, and, man, it's hard not to imagine that Jeff Bezos' team not <laughs> winning that franchise uh because that that's in like an all-star group uh, head by Jeff Bezos, plus Jay-Z, who's a billionaire. We know Kevin Durant got has money, and Matthew McConaughey does as well. Um, but I, it's going to be a good thing for the NFL and Washington, D.C., and the Commanders fan base once that sale is finally finalized uh, for a multitude of reasons that we have explained multiple times throughout this podcast. Um, But everything seems to be moving in the direction that they are going to sell the franchise. It's just a question of uh, when at this point, I think. Um, But overall, 
man, you there is a part of me that wants to see a minority owner, but I think I'll be fine with Jeff Bezos. He he he's a good dude. Why would you, he's a good dude and he got some money, that's why you'd be fine with <laughs> Jeff Bezos. Well, you know, I, you know, Kevin Durant's in that group, Jay Z's in that group. I think it's it's a good it's a good team. Matthew McConaughey, I like Matthew McConaughey. Like- all right, all right, all right. I like him. Uh, you know what? I, you know, as long as Jay Z and Kevin Durant get into the mix, right? I think that's okay. You have some kind of minority ownership here. Um, but look, we're talking. I, I think people don't really get the scope of like the money it takes to to, to own a team like this, Tyler. Like we're talking about four to five billion dollars right mm-hmm. like if this is you need money people who have money and people who have money and people who have money and people who have more money to join you in a bid for this right this is like if i were to put up you know 300 million dollars that's a drop in a bucket compared to four to five billion dollars as crazy as that sounds right like mm-hmm. the amount of money here that's being exchanged and that dan snyder's gonna walk away with from his initial investment of likely nothing close to what he's gonna sell for um that's a lot of money man that's a lot of money yeah and you know a lot of times the narrative is like these owners are getting punished for having to sell the team but they walk away even richer than they were before uh dan snyder um i believe is not worth over six billion dollars right now and he is going to get I believe north of six billion for that franchise, especially if it's Jeff Bezos. Because you know, <laughs> first of all, Dan Snyder doesn't even like Jeff Bezos. Uh-huh. He's he's not gonna give him a discount. Let me just say that. <laughs> Knowing the, the type of money Jeff Bezos has, and not yeah. saying that he's gonna get the you know the uh, ownership um, position, but man. That that team, I would not be surprised if that team sells for seven billion dollars. I mean, you're just going up on the billions here, and that's yeah. that's that's a lot. Um, you know, I think I think the the Broncos sale for about four point six is is the is definitely the ce- It's not the ceiling, but it's not the floor either. It's uh it's ceiling fan, so to speak. I'm not sure if you're going to get up to five, six, seven billion. That's a lot of billion extra, um, which is pretty crazy to think about. Um, but uh, I think, you know, just look at Dan Snyder, man, initial payment for the Washington football team, I believe was, you know, 750 million. I'm reading here that he paid, you know, at least 700, 800 million dollars. I think about that, flipping that into at least $5 billion. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Man, we are broke. <laughs> I'm just trying to get a little bit of that, and we were almost there, Soffit. If if I if I had a won the lottery, I, I would have given you maybe uh, six dollars. Tyler, if you win the lottery, I never hear from you ever again, bro. Hey, you well, would never was, talk to still, me ever again. I would still do this podcast, and I would still work for you on Saturday if Tyler, I won the lottery. Tyler, if you won the lottery, the next time you ever saw me, you literally would be throwing. Hundred dollar bills in my face, like just hit, like for sport. Um, I mean, possibly we might. I might take you to live down there in Miami. Throw a few bills. Yeah. Uh, no, we'd have a good time. We'd have a good time. Yeah, but I would pay for it all myself. 
you know, you would have a table on me. I'm being something. Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow, Tyler. I could barely get dinner out of you when I win a dinner about it. So I got to appreciate you. Thanks for reminding me. You owe me a time. dinner. Next time I, I see you, you owe me a dinner. All right, Tyler, let's get into our segment where you give out grades to the NFL coaches based on the performance after last week. So let's start off with the Cincinnati Bengals. You gave them an A for beating the Carolina Panthers last week. Joe Mixon had four touchdowns, five touchdowns. I lost count. One, two, three, four, five touchdowns. I'm guessing you gave them an A because they gave Joe Mixon the ball. Right, Tyler? It's funny you said that because the entire time when I covered the Bengals for the Cincinnati Inquirer, I used to do weekly uh, keys to the game. And uh-huh. almost every single week. Give Joe Mixon the football. <laughs> Run the football. <laughs> Have Joe Mixon involved more in the passing game. Uh-huh. And they never did. And that's maybe why they won only six games the whole time why I covered the team. Mm-hmm. But lo and behold, the irony of it all, without Jamar Chase, Zach Taylor and the Bengals finally gave Joe Mixon the football. And it paid off, obviously, franchise record, five touchdowns. I really liked how their zone blocking scheme really kind of uh, highlights Joe Mixon's capabilities. And he ran very well and even caught some passes out of the backfield. So that's why I gave them an A because they finally, finally not only listened to me, but understand that Joe Mixon outside of Jamar Chase is their best offensive weapon. Tyler. I agree with you. They got to give them the ball more. You gave the New York Jets. The New York Jets got a good grade from you, Tyler. They got a B following their win over the Buffalo Bills last week. Shout out to Robert Sala, who's got the Jets in playoff contention, in the playoff conversation, with a win over Buffalo, which I didn't think they'd get. Why'd you give them a B, Tyler? So they provided a blueprint of how you kind of slow down Josh Allen. Now, however, most teams probably don't have the personnel to do it, but they did not blitz him much. They rushed with their four down linemen and kind of dropped back in coverage. They had the personnel, they had the pass rushers, and Salt Gardner in that secondary playing very good football, and they forced Josh <laughs> Allen to season lows almost across the board. So very good effort um, you know, by the New York Jets to get a surprising upset win. Sauce Gardner, man, pass interference. He's going to make the refs call it. He's going <laughs> to make the refs call it. Uh, Tyler, you gave the Chicago Bears a C. Not an A, not a B, not a D, not an F, but you gave them a C um, for their almost comeback against the Miami Dolphins last week. Uh, why'd you give Justin, Fee- excuse me, why'd you give the Bears and their coaching staff a C this week? Well, it's funny you said Justin Fields because that's pretty much why I gave the Bears uh, a C. Uh, I think he's still running on your Miami Dolphins. And yeah. I like the fact that they are trying to utilize Justin Fields' mobility. And before the offense was kind of catered to maybe the passing game a little bit, a little bit too much. But now they're like, okay, we have a mobile quarterback. And even on passing throws, we're going to – do bootlegs, get him outside the pocket where he can use his legs. And what, 178 rushing yards, the most ever by a quarterback in a single game, broke Michael Vick's record. 
I really like the way the Bears are becoming a run-oriented team. They definitely need to get some more pass catchers and need to build up that defense. But they're kind of, you know, shaping into the form of like a poor, a real poor man's a Baltimore Ravens team. Real mm-hmm. poor <laughs> Baltimore Ravens team. I do think that they have an identity now and it's starting to take shape, uh, albeit in a loss to the Miami Dolphins. Tyler, I think the, uh, the the Bears offense finally has figured it out. Um, you know, they were lackluster on Monday Night Football against the Patriots, but they played really well against the Cowboys in a loss. They played really well against the Dolphins in a loss. They got the Lions and the Falcons coming up. I think those are two wins for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, I think maybe they're figuring out a little bit in Chicago. Uh, let's go back to L.A., to the Rams. I always, you know, I always give you a flag for loving Justin Herbert, but I figured out your favorite team is the Rams. You love Aaron Donald more than I love Aaron Donald. Um, and I know you probably could outduel Jalen Ramsey if you had a route against him too as well at this stage of both y'all careers. I'm just kidding. Uh, Tyler, you gave the Rams a D for their loss um, following uh, Sunday's game against the Bucks. They lost in the final minute of that game. Why would you give Sean McVay and his staff a D? Well, first of all, I still haven't forgiven the Rams for uh, making me wrong in uh, my pick and uh, proving <laughs> you right. Uh, that was a huge pick. Uh, they uh, disappointed pick. me uh, thoroughly in that game. However, they just lost their way in the final defensive possession. They had Tom Brady in the Bucks. They kept him out of the end zone all three quarters. <laughs> up until that final drive, all four quarters up until that final drive, uh, excuse me. And they dropped back into a zone defense, a prevent zone defense, and had holes all over the field. Not only in the middle of the field, but they kept open the sideline, and Tom Brady and the Bucks exploited it in 35 seconds. Go all the way down the field in 35 seconds, score a touchdown. It was just a terrible, soft zone defense with a whole lot of holes and they should have did a I I would have preferred them yes okay most teams will play a zone defense in that situation however that prevent zone with no hardly anyone rushing up front and leaving the middle of the field open and the sidelines it was just a too much of a soft zone defense in that final possession man I loved it though I really did I love bet it you did Tom Tom Brady. Brady. To get Tom Brady a win, finally. Nobody needed a win more than the Bucks did. <laughs> Maybe the Packers, too. Um, you got a couple Fs here. You got a couple Fs here. You gave the Colts an F, um, but I, I think the Packers should get an F, too, after their loss against the uh, Lions last week. Um, but let's talk about the Raiders, Tyler. And you, you alluded to them earlier in the podcast, but uh, there's no reason why the Raiders should be in Jacksonville with a double-digit lead with Devontae Adams scoring two touchdowns. And you lose that game, Tyler. Yeah, the same could be said with their uh, 20-point blown lead against the Cardinals. They've, they've lost three games off it with at least a 17-point lead. It's just inexcusable. Greg mm-hmm. Doyle already railed on Josh McDaniel earlier in this podcast. Uh, you can see the frustration emanating from that locker room uh, from Devontae Adams on down. And it's a problem when your best players are starting to get frustrated and voicing their frustration and, and pushing photographers, right? Pushing. <laughs> so I, 
that is my reason for giving them an F because they don't know how to close out football games. Mm-hmm. And that goes from the coaches on down. It's the players too. Because when you're a player, you have to learn how to finish football games. It's part of learning how to win. And the coaches have to put them in position to win. And it seems like they play good in spurts, but then they just fall apart down the stretch. And that's why I gave them that. I think if any coach gets fired up the first year, like it's got to be Josh McDaniels, right? Like you have a ready-made team that is can push for the playoff spot. And you got all these losses, man, including all those double-digit losses that you're leading in games. Um, for me, that's inexcusable. Uh, I'm not sure if, you know, Mark Davis makes a move there, but uh, it seems like Greg Doyle might have been right. Yeah, uh, it does seem like it. Now, the the problem with the Raiders is, is they have a whole lot of talent across the board. If you just look at their roster on paper, you would think, that they're at least a wild card team at mm-hmm. bare minimum. They made the playoffs last year without Josh McDaniel. And they got Devontae Adams, who's performing well. Chandler Jones, I don't know. He, I haven't seen him uh, get a sack since he left the Arizona. <laughs> I don't. He just got the bag and just said, okay, I'm good. But overall, every single player on the Raiders – not named Devonte Adams is underperforming, and that's including Derek Carr, who has tunnel vision for Devonte Adams. I would say Josh Josh Jacobs is playing really well this. Oh yeah, yeah, Josh Jacobs too. Yes, that, that's a good call too. All right, guys, it's time for my favorite segment of the podcast, where we do our NFL picks for Week Ten. Now, producer Emily, she's hanging out in New York. She's following the real football. The real football. We got the World Cup coming up. You can stay tuned with producer Emily. She is our soccer insider genius extraordinaire. Um, when she's not doing it's a football podcast. But we're gonna take it over for pits this week. Um, Tyler, we don't have a count yet. We gotta get our, our count. It's ten weeks I'm in. Winning. I'm don't gonna... worry. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. Uh Tyler, let's get into the first pick. We got a um we're gonna skip over the Thursday night game. I'm gonna everybody's gonna watch Falcons Panthers. Um, you know, not with great joy. But uh if you wake up early on Sunday morning, you get to see the Seattle Seahawks and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers playing live in Munich, Germany. We love Sunday morning football. Tyler, that's a six thirty AM start for you on the West Coast. Uh but who do you like? Seahawks or Bucks in this game, Tyler? I've been wrestling with this pick, and it seems like every time I pick against the Seahawks, they win. I even picked against the Seahawks against the Arizona Cardinals, and wow. they won. Um, I'm going to pick them this time. I'm what? I'm going to pick them. Wow. I'm not, I'm not confident, but the Seahawks, they've been counted out this entire season, and they've yes, been they proving have. the naysayers wrong. Um, you know, I, I asked Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf about, you know, that very subject about them being counted out this season and proving naysayers wrong. And they have a chip on their shoulder and they are proving each and every week that they deserve to be in discussion um, of teams that are, you know, viable in the NFC. And they have a track record to win the NFC West office, surprisingly. Yeah, for me, it's just the 49ers in the same division. Yeah, though. right. <laughs> but they're first right now. You, you got you to gotta give them credit. They're first in the division right now. The Seahawks are first right now. I'm not sure how much they hold on to that. 
Um, but I do think they beat the Bucks. Look, the Bucks are a mess. Um, they got so lucky against the Rams last week in the final minute. I will still take my pick, Bucks over Rams, to beat you last week. But Seattle's been playing so much better as a team than Tampa Bay has all season. And Seattle's been playing like this all season. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think anybody can stop Kenneth, Kenneth Walker the third right now. He is a monster of a running back. Um, somebody I will be drafting first in my fantasy draft next year. I'm going to take the Seahawks, Tyler. Rookie of the year candidate. And shout out to Geno Smith. He's been yeah. playing very good football this season. I had I had Saquon Barkley as my comeback of the year player, but I think Geno Smith might take that title from him. Yeah. Tyler, we uh, got the update on Josh Allen, and let's use it to predict uh, a Sunday 1 p.m. game between the Vikings and the Bills. Uh, the Bills are 6-2, and two, number one in the AFC. The Vikings are 7-1 and one behind the Eagles in the NFC. Who thought the Vikings would be 7-1 and one with like a three-game lead over the Packers in the NFC North? You didn't. I didn't. The, even the Vikings certainly did it. That's for damn sure. Um, but who's going to win this game on Sunday? Josh Allen is day-to-day. He may or may not play, Tyler. If Josh Allen plays, I have the Bills. If he doesn't play, I have the Vikings. Can I do that? Am I allowed to do that? Bruh, what? Tyler, we're all going to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Am I allowed to do that? I'm not allowed to do that? Tyler, you can't be picking two. You can't pick both teams to win when we're doing picks with two teams. (sighs) I will go ahead and pick the Bills. However, if Josh Allen does not play, then I I believe the Vikings are going to win. I don't think Josh Allen's going to play. And I think I still think the Vikings will mess it up. I still think the Vikings will mess it up. Like they don't know how they're gonna win each week. Like they always lost to the Commanders last week. Um, they're gonna be in Buffalo. I don't know how that's gonna go for Kirk Cousins. Um, I, I don't know about Case Keenum and Matt Milano needs to come back because they missed him last week against the Jets. But mm. um, I, I, I'm still gonna take the Vikings. I'm still gonna take the Vikings. Okay. Week. I, no, even with even with Josh Allen plays, I'm going to take the Vikings because wow. of injury. I do think the Vikings are due for like a surprising loss because they're going to have a game, a letdown game. They're five games ahead of the Packers right now. Five, yes. stop it. So I mean, they they have some breathing room, a huge cushion. Tyler's getting to another matchup here of two of the teams that you see on the West Coast very often. We got the Arizona Cardinals, Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins is back. Cliff Kingsbury is locked into a deal and won't be fired anytime soon. Going to face Los Angeles and going to Los Angeles to face the Rams. Cardinals Rams, the 430 game on the East Coast, 130 start in the West Coast. Um, who you got in this one, Tyler? The Cardinals offense is this in a nutshell. Kyler Murray run around, throw to DeAndre Hopkins. Kyler Murray run around. If DeAndre Hopkins isn't open, pray somebody else isn't open or Kyler Murray <laughs> scrambles. Oh, we mm-hmm. haven't ran it in uh, 10 plays. Let's hand it off to, you know, James Conner. Hopefully he gets a few yards. Rinse and repeat. <laughs> they have no continuity on offense at all. Now, the Rams, they leave a whole lot to be desired. It's Cooper Cup or Bust. They have absolutely zero running game. However, Sean McVay does own the Arizona Cardinals. He has, what, a 11-game winning streak over the Cardinals. I do mm-hmm. think the Rams get back on track at least this week with a win, a home win over the Cardinals that are reeling right now. 
Look, I think DeAndre Hopkins is going to eat Jalen Ramsey alive. Ooh. Um, yeah, yeah. Big, Pick the big Cardinals. Big. You're wearing red. Pick them. <laughs> I'm not picking the Cardinals. I know better, Tyler. Um, I think the Rams are going to take what happened last week in that final minute in Tampa Bay. I think that'll be enough fuel for them defensively. Um, you know, I, can their offense compete with Arizona's? I think it can with Cooper Cup and just Matt Stafford. Um but we'll see. But I still got the Rams. I think if anybody can. It, it's sad that Kyle Shanahan owns Sean McVay, but I think it's not hard to own Cliff Kingsbury. Um, and I think the Rams will pull this one out as well. Okay. Even though you're wearing Tyler, red. Let's get Even though I'm wearing red. You know red is one of my favorite colors, man. It is my favorite color. Uh, speaking of red, uh, the Los Angeles Chargers are going on the road to face the San Francisco 49ers. This is our Sunday night game. What a spectacle, man. Thank you to the NFL schedule makers for putting the San Francisco 49ers and their beautiful gold helmets on Sunday night football for us to watch. And they just so happen to be playing Justin Herbert, your boy in the Chargers. And the base better than uh, that. Tyler, I knew this yeah, was coming. That, I knew this yeah, was coming. You know, usually it's a Rams 49er matchup, but the Chargers are coming to town, Tyler. Do you like the Chargers? You picking the Chargers this one? And the base better than that way. Oh, my goodness. Emily's going to have a, a field day just pushing this button so much, many times. This is an intriguing matchup. However, the Chargers could not stop the run at all. They were got gashed by the Falcons last week. Still won the game, but, you know, the Falcons had their way running the football. 49ers, they're run-oriented offense. They're going to run it down the Chargers' throat. I do have. San Francisco 49ers beating the Chargers. Yeah, I got the 49ers in this one, too. Um, everybody's healthy for the most part on San Francisco, um, not their defense, whereas the Chargers, everyone is not healthy at all. <laughs> yeah, you know, pretty Jordan, much. Keenan Allen might play. I think yeah, Mike Williams is going to be out another week or two. You know, Parnum is out the tight end. Um, Nick Bosa, Nick Joey Bosa has been out for a couple weeks. Might come back, may not. Rashawn Slater been out for the season. The Chargers were supposed to be an AFC West favorite. They were supposed to be a playoff team this year. Um, I'm not sure if they're still in the mix this year. Let me pull up the schedule real quick. They'll, they'll be a playoff team. Come on, Sob. We can we can have they, another dinner uh, bet. The Chargers are making the playoffs. The Chargers are not going to make the playoffs. They are too hurt this year, Tyler. They're hanging on to the seventh seed right now, Tyler. They're going to make the playoffs. Dinner bet? Great. Dinner, dinner bet? bet. Okay, dinner we got bet. a dinner bet. Yes, that, uh, we're taking the 49ers in this week, though. Uh, last game, Tyler, last game. We'll do the Monday Night Football game. The Washington Commanders in a big, big NFC East battle against the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles 8-0, still undefeated. Tyler, I'm going to save my prediction before yours. I think the Eagles go 9-0 in this one. <laughs> what do you think? Eagles are off to their best start in franchise history at 8-0. They're going to go 9-0 and extend their best start ever in franchise history. They, The commanders have zero chance. Zero. No. Uh, zero. I, stop it. No, no, no. I would say maybe 10%. I don't know. Listen, listen, listen. Division games, <laughs> division games are so much more tougher than just, you know, any other team that you play. I think Washington's going to play them a lot tougher than uh, Philly expects, but I still think Philly wins. Yeah, I, I hear I hear the t- tougher part still Eagles. Well, yeah, the Bills lost the Jets and the Dolphins already this year. You never know. You never know. The Dolphins have gotten lucky a few times this year. Their luck is going to run out eventually. No, they're going to make the playoffs on like your Chargers. That's for sure. Mm, they, <laughs> they might make the playoffs. Might. 
<laughs> they might. All right. Well, guys, thank you again for listening to another edition of It's a Football Podcast. I'm Safa Dean. That was Tyler Dragon. When you hear Tyler Dragon say crazy things, producer Emily's pressing the buttons. And the bass um, better than that way. That's my favorite Dude, button. That was a crazy thing that I said. You had that barbecue, got you feeling a certain way. <laughs> that's my that new one was favorite funny. One. Yeah, that's probably that's, the best one. That has to be my new favorite one, producer Emily. That has to be my new favorite one. That, 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 that was a good one. That one does make me laugh. That one makes me laugh again. I need that one more time before we head out. You had that barbecue, got you feeling a certain way. What's I might have barbecue you... this weekend just for that. What's, what's the certain way you feel, Tyler? I, I might have barbecue this weekend just for that. What's the certain way you feel? You had that barbecue, bar- got you feeling a certain way. I, uh, you got the itis, I will say that. You got the itis, want to you know, <laughs> take a nap. Barbecue and football, what better yeah. What better way can you watch football? You better start. You better uh, not get the itis and write on Sunday, that's for sure. Uh, that's true, too. All right. We're going to kick it out of here, guys. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you to Greg Doyle for joining us and giving his thoughts on not just Jeff Saturday and the Colts situation, but also Josh McDaniels. Uh, Tyler, always a pleasure. Producer Emily, always a pleasure. And, guys, if you haven't already, please download the USA Today Sports Plus app in your Apple Store and in your Google Play. It's a sports-only app straight from USA Today. You can set your favorite teams, personalize it yourself, get all the news and updates that you want about your favorite team for the rest of the season. Guys, thanks so much for tuning in with us, and we'll catch you again next week. It's a football podcast. Find it now on the USA Today Sports Plus app, where the biggest fans fan harder.